Why don't we take our Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 14. And as you're turning there, I'm grateful to be here. And yeah, it was 14 years ago. It goes by very, very quickly. We weren't meeting in this room. We met over in Fellowship Hall B. And uh, so you have a nice uh, chapel area to meet in and to receive the word in. And what a blessing to see uh, so many here this morning and uh, so much potential in this room. You know, when you start in the early church in the book of Acts, there was just the 12. And then there was the other believers that were up there that were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it was those people that turned the world upside down. And uh, we don't need many. Gideon's army wasn't, it wasn't great. We don't need many. But we do need um, folks that are fully committed to the Lord. And as uh, Dr. Jim was asking for prayer, and I saw a quote yesterday. Spurgeon was asked, uh, what's the secret of your success? And he says, it was my people praying for me. My people praying for me. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. And so I'm thankful for people back home praying for me today as a minister to you. And my heart is just to be a blessing to you. I have no agenda uh, really no agenda, but just to be an encouragement to you. We need you. We're in this battle together. Uh, there's not more people lining up to, to go into the ministry. There's less and less. And it seems like in our churches that we've kind of um, become okay with that. And uh, we need you. And I'm grateful that you're here today, and I hope to be an encouragement to you. Let's stand and let's read the Word of God together. My wife and uh, family are back home. I miss traveling with them. They were supposed to be up here, but uh, uh, different obstacles stood in the way of that. And so I'm grateful to be here today and just asking the Lord to work in our hearts. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 14. Alexander the coppersmith did much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all, for, all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Salute Priscilla and Aquila. And the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, abode at Corinth, and Trophimus, have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you, and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather around your word. Your word is still changing our lives, and we're grateful for that. And as we look into the perfect law of liberty today... Lord, I ask that you would change us from glory to glory, that you would help us to be more Christ-like and uh, more settled in you, uh, more determined to abide in you uh, as uh, having heard your word. And so bless us. I pray that you give us strength today. Help us to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Paul was really at a really imaginable place uh, at the end of his life. He's, he is literally writing the last words of his life right here to his son in the faith, Timothy. He had, he had other sons in the faith like Titus, but Timothy was special to him. And he's literally penning the last words. And, and what's interesting to me is as he comes to the end of his life, there, there was a lot of reason that Paul could have brought focus to himself. He could have, he could have kind of shared a lot of stories that would have brought the focus from Timothy, uh, looking to the Lord, but uh, away from that to himself. And, and I find that as he suffered, he suffered much hurt, much persecution, much betrayal. At this moment, it would have been a perfect opportunity for him to really just draw that attention inward, but he doesn't do that. 
In fact, here in this, this last, these last verses of this letter to his son in the faith, a letter, just imagine receiving it from your home pastor, just really burdened for you and just encouraging you with some, some thoughts. And these last words from the Apostle Paul before he graduates to heaven, four times as he describes some problems, some obstacles, some hurts um, from other people, from culture, from the, the pagans around him, four times he turns Timothy's attention not to himself but to the Lord. Did you notice as we are reading through there in verse number in verse number 14, he says, The Lord rewarded him. Verse number 17, the Lord stood with me. Verse number 18, the Lord shall deliver me. And verse number 22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with um, be with your spirit. And so four times he says, No, it's not about me, it is about the Lord, and I want you to be mindful of that. So you see, he was trying to really strengthen Timothy. Timothy was fearful and and lacked the confidence to take on the call that God had given him. He, he oftentimes uh, lacked the confidence of remembering that faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Don't you believe that this morning? And he often lacked that confidence. So as, as Paul was encouraging him here with these last words, he's saying, hey, I want you to focus in on the Lord. I want you to remember the Lord in all of these things. You see, the last words of a person often reflect and are the clearest reflection of their heart. And here is Paul's heart. He's just burdened for his son in the faith. Listen, there are, there are people and generations ahead of you that are burdened for right where you are. They're not trying to pick at you. They're not trying to pick you apart. They don't think less of you. They're grateful that you've answered the call, that you're, you're in Bible college, and yet you're seeking after the Lord. Praise God for that. But listen, there is also a need for you to hear from the older generations Hey, don't focus on us. Don't focus on us. Don't focus on the problems you're going to have. Focus in on the Lord. Remember the Lord and remember the Lord well. The Lord here is the title for God, for Jesus Christ, the one who is the master over all things, the one who exercises absolute spirit on actual authority, the one who commands all things, the one who inhabits eternity. He is the one that Paul wanted Timothy to be focused on in the last moments of his life. And Paul knew that Timothy would have much that would distract him. There were already people that were gunning for Timothy's position or gunning against his doctrine and, and, and criticizing his youthfulness. Listen, there will be those who, who will come up to you. Maybe you'll step into a pastoral role and they'll say, uh, you're old, I, I'm old enough to be your, your grandfather or something like that. And they'll just kind of uh, look down on your, on your youth. And Paul told Timothy, hey, don't let anyone despise your youth. You make sure that you're being an example, focusing on the Lord, be an example. And he knew that there would be much that would distract him. He knew also that Timothy could get to the point where he was living a reaction to the different hurts, to the different people, to the different discouragements. And that very reaction could cause Timothy to, uh, to become ineffective in his calling, uh, to become so focused on that that he, he focuses on that rather than what the Lord wants him to do, could even cause him to compromise and, yes, even quit. Friends, living a reaction will damage your life. I don't know if you realize how, how important those words. There, are, there is a generation right now, my generation, that is oftentimes they're living a reaction, whether it's to an older generation, and they, they look at it and they say, well, I don't agree with that, or I don't agree with that, or to a person who abused them, or to a person that said something unkind, and they live the rest of their, of their life and ministry as a reaction, and they find themselves becoming ineffective because they're not focused on Christ. They find themselves compromising because they're so upset at what happened. And so they throw everything out and they go after a new way, a new philosophy. Friends, we don't want to live a reaction. Reacting, living a reaction to anything is going to be dangerous to you. 
We must focus in on the Lord. And so here's what I want us to catch this morning. Four points, you can write them down, go back and meditate on them uh, later. But Paul, number one, says, listen, uh, Timothy, I want you to remember, this guy, Alexander, and there's going to be many Alexanders in the ministry, but this guy, Alexander, did me much hurt. And he did me a lot of hurt. He really damaged me. But the Lord reward him. The Lord reward him. And so this is what I want you to realize what Paul was saying. He was saying, the Lord is my judge, Timothy. The Lord is your judge. The Lord is his judge. We need to remember this fact about our Lord, that he indeed is the judge. This man, Alexander, was uh, probably a blacksmith who at least worked with metal of some, uh, some sort. He, he deliberately treated uh, Paul in a, in a way that... that it seems that he might have even gone around spreading something or alleging something about the Apostle Paul, bringing accusations against him. That's going to happen. That is going to happen. People are going to say, hey, you're in it for, for the money, or you're in it for, for, um, for your glory. You're just trying to um, play the political game. or They'll, they'll allege something, but this, this was even more devious than that because it seemed that he might have even turned on the Apostle Paul and alleged some things against him, maybe even in the court of Nero. But the fact is, Alexander, had done much evil. He had, he had, he had acted immorally. He, he had dishonored God in the way that he, he acted. And so here he is. He could, he could be all focused on Alexander. He could be all focused on the hurt that he brought him. But rather than doing that, he says there in verse number 15 or verse number 14, the Lord reward him. Hey, remember that the Lord is going to bring him into judgment. The Lord is going to take care of this matter. The Lord recompense him. The Lord punish him. God can do a better job at that than we can. And the problem is we often don't trust God. We think that we'll do a better job bringing about justice against somebody. There might be someone you're thinking about in your mind right now that that really did you hurt. Maybe in your childhood. Maybe someone that was even in a spiritual position. And they did you hurt. God can take care of them. And he will. And you need to believe that. You need to believe that the Lord is the judge. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, if you know it, uh, say it with me, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. One more time, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so it is the Lord's job to do the judging. Matthew 5, Jesus told his disciples, love your enemies. Notice that's a command. Number one, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This these are four commands Jesus gave uh, when concerning those that, that would hurt us. And so Paul, as a wise spiritual leader, goes to his son in the faith and says, listen, I want you to know about this man named Alexander. He did me much hurt, but I want you to remember the Lord will take care of him. Paul is a wise spiritual leader in that he relayed that information. You know, once in a while, someone will, uh, it, it seems like a thing here in the States especially, but you have a lot of transfer, uh, transfer membership, and so someone gets mad at one church and they transfer over here, and I, I really appreciate it. I had a pastor call the other day, he says, if this person shows up, they mean no good. And they weren't trying to blackmail them or anything like that, they're just trying to uh, give a warning. But you know what? I also do the same thing, and guys, listen, if God puts you in a pastoral role, it's you're wise to call the pastor that they're coming from and make sure thing, everything's good and say, is there anything I can do to be a help? Not just say, oh, that's what that pastor did? Oh, that's what they said? And just um, welcome, do some diligence. And Paul's a wise spiritual leader here. He's, he's relaying because, hey, uh, Alexander might come around and you know what? He's probably not going to just change because I'm off the scene. He's, he, he did me much hurt, and, uh, but the Lord's going to reward him. But a wise spiritual leader, was, uh, he, he was relaying that information. By the way, unresolved problems in one church, you carry with them to another church. By the way, uh, unresolved problems in one ministry, 
The answer is not leaving that ministry because you will carry that unresolved problem to the next ministry. You have to deal with the problem. And so that's just a side note here. Paul is testifying, hey, Alexander did me wrong, but the Lord. And so it is the Lord that we need to focus on. May we let the Lord be the Lord. May we let the Lord be the judge. And do you know what that's going to do in our lives, friends? It's going to bring rest to our souls. If I can deliver every hurt, every problem person, every abuse, everything back to the Lord, it brings much rest to our souls and also deliver us from becoming cynical. It really will. And so the Lord is my judge, he told Timothy. The Lord is my judge. But there's something else. Not only is the Lord my judge, he is my support, Timothy. Look at verse number 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me. Now, we, we read over that passage, and maybe you've gone there for encouragement before, but the fact is that there is a lot of emotion loaded into this, into this verse. Because here he is a man that gave and gave and gave his life. 2, Timothy, or 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love, the less I be loved. Paul gave his life over and over. He was giving of his life. He was, he was there at a moment's notice. He, he, he expended his life for others. Yet when he was at the final moments of his life, the Bible says here that all men forsook. They literally made the decision, I'm not going there with him. Similar to Peter's decision, I'm not going to stand with Christ in his trial. These people made a decision not to stand with Christ or with Paul in his trial there in Rome before, um, before Nero. All men, all men. Think about that. All men. Wow. Wow. Well, you talk about a discouraging day. You're going through a trial in the ministry and all men, all men forsake. Wow. And for him to turn around and immediately say, but I want you to focus on the Lord, uh, is, is a truly amazing thing. And that's only a work of the Holy Spirit of God in Paul's, Paul's life. Just remember this, that oftentimes the greatest discouragements come right before our greatest opportunities, our greatest God moments. And here he was, he had been praying for all of his life that he'd be able to, all of his, all of his ministry life, his, his life of following after Christ, he'd been praying, I, I want to go to Rome and I want to preach the gospel there. God had him there and lo and behold, here we have all men forsaking him. He had showed up for them yet in this moment needed them, they were not there. Paul had calmness in his heart. Did you notice in verse number, um, verse number 16? I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Wow. He didn't go blast them on the internet. He didn't tell all of his preacher friends, you know, in the sense, you know, here, here's the list of the names. He didn't name, uh, name them all here. He, he just, he said, I pray that it not be laid to their charge. What a gracious spirit. Friends, that can only be if you've already delivered it up to the Lord. If you've already given the problem over to the Lord. We need, a, we need to practice that in our lives. The Lord, the Lord is my support. And so notice here in verse number 17, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He stood with me. He was present with me. He, he stayed true to his promise. Just like the, with the four Hebrews in the, in the fiery furnace or the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace, uh, uh, there, was, uh, there was Jesus standing right with them in the fiery furnace. What an amazing thing that, that that was. The Lord stood with me. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That came true here. The Lord stood with me. No man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. I'm reminded of the hymn, Be still my soul, the Lord is 
on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. He's there. He's present. You can be still in your soul because of that. But notice, he strengthened me. He gave me grace. He bore me up. He helped me through the trial. No man was saying, hey, Paul, we're for you. We're praying for you. No man was there saying that, but God, God was there and Paul knew it. My strength and my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My, my strength is made complete, full up in your weakness. Paul certainly felt that. Now, what's interesting here, did you notice in verse number 17 as we read that, what's the purpose for all this? Why is God always giving us strength to follow on? Did you notice what he says here? He says that that all the Gentiles, well, first, that my preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. That all the Gentiles might hear. He had a burden for what was going on up there in, 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 in Rome. And he's saying, hey, uh, God gave me strength. God stood with me so that all these Gentiles, all these that are gathered around, all these that are coming to this court appearance, all these that I'm getting to preach to in, the, in my prison cell and, and so on, all these that I'm able to minister the gospel to, that all of them might hear. This is the purpose. Listen, God doesn't give you strength to, uh, to put you on a pedestal or to give you popularity. He gives you strength to declare the gospel gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this age. He gives us strength in our hour of trial to do that. All the Gentiles, as one man said, what a throng of distinguished Romans may be included in this simple phrase, heard that day the message of God to mankind. All heard the crucified and exalted Jesus set forth as one Savior in that very pagan society. It's an overwhelming thought. The imagination fails to so realize the tremendous scene. It must have been one of the greatest moments in history and what eternity might reveal about that very moment moment that all the Gentiles were able to hear at the mouth of the Apostle Paul when everyone forsook him he says God supported me God was my strength he was there help he had this burden Romans 1 and verse number 15 so as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at home also for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek he had a heart to be up there and God gave him the strength in that moment even when discouragement came the Lord stood with me the Lord stood with me there's going to become discouragements in the ministry friends it's just a reality you set out to work against what God, uh, Satan has planned to bring as many people to hell as possible. You think about that. God created us for relationship, placed us in the garden. We sinned against him. What a seeming triumph for Satan. Everyone was to be with God, relating with God, and now Satan has this opportunity to bring as many people to hell with him as possible. And you stand up against that. You are at the point. And you can be guaranteed there's going to be discouragements come your way that'll get you off track. But friends, we need to remember the Lord is the judge, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my judge, the Lord is my strength. Keep going back to that. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. He, to added affliction, he addeth his mercy to multiply, to multiply trials, he multiplies peace. There's a last verse of that song that I hadn't seen in our hymnals before. It goes like this, Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on his everlasting arms availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will up there. He giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. 
There's no limits to his grace. And Paul focused on that. Timothy, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember, yeah, Alexander hurt me, but the Lord, um, the Lord will reward him. Uh, yeah, I, I stood there and no man stood with me. It was really discouraging, but the Lord stood with me. Paul focused on the Lord who is his judge and his strength when he faced that betrayal. And you will face betrayal. You're going to have somebody that's going to stab you in the back. It might be someone close. It might be someone you thought never would stab you in the back. But the fact is, the Lord will always be there. And if we'll keep our focus on the Lord and not on people, it will help us not live a reaction. It'll help us continue on. But notice verse number 18. He says, my Lord is my deliverer. My Lord is my deliverer. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. At the end of verse number 17, he says, I was delivered. What's that all about? It seems that at, at his first answer, that there, at his first court appearance, that there was a temporary stay of of execution of, of some sort. So there was a delay, whether it was, whether it was days or weeks or, or so, but there was a, there was a bit of a, a delay. And so he was able to continue to write and, and, and encourage and so on. But he says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The lion, uh, many would, would think that that was, was Nero himself, you know, uh, uh, typifying him. But, but the fact is, he, he says, the Lord delivered me, past tense, and I know that the Lord is going to deliver me. Now, death was pretty certain for Paul at this point. I mean, he was staring it, staring it in the face. And the fact is, he says there in verse number 18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and notice and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. So what's Paul focused on? I know the Lord delivered me there temporarily, but I know that the Lord is actually going to deliver me permanently in heaven. Whether by life or by death, the Lord is still the deliverer. Are you with me on that? He is still the deliverer. If you go and you go to a mission field or here in the, in the States and, and for, for some reason that God brings you through martyrdom or through death, the Lord is still the deliverer bringing you into his presence. What an amazing day that's going to be, isn't it? Uh, can we be scared with heaven? There's an there's a old poem that uh, is entitled Afraid of What? And, you know, an, an old uh, African preacher that was, that was uh, so moved by the fact, you, you can't kill me, you can't make me afraid with death. I'll just go to be with him. When I was in India in early 2020, um, I was struck in multiple ways with that trip. We were there in southern India at the, um, the, the uh, South Indian Baptist Bible College. I think some folks have been over there from here. And uh, I was there with Brother Ken Fielder, and there was uh, about six other pastors. We were ho hosting the Worldview uh, Conference on there on the campus. And it was amazing. It was humbling. It was it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life to be there. And uh, I, I would kind of pinch myself wondering, why in the world am I here as an American trying to preach to these, these guys who know persecution? I mean, they have faced it. They have given their lives for the gospel. And it's just, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very interesting feeling uh, to be preaching to those, those type of committed um, believers. But one of the, the individuals there whose first name was Ben, um, I interviewed several different of the preachers there, but he, he was involved in the college. And uh, he, had, he was sharing a, a story that I overheard with Brother Ken Field on our way into town one day. And it was about him going on an evangelistic or a ministry trip to a village. And uh, he, he had faced some opposition. So I asked him to share it with me. And I, I got it on video to bring back to our church. And, and I wanted them to hear it. But it was, it was so moving. He and his wife were uh, going up to a village where they wanted to meet with some, uh, some believers about 15 or, or so believers that were up there. And as they went up to this, this village, they, uh, they were surrounded by a, a group of, of gangsters that said, uh, hey, listen, what are you doing here? 
uh, what are you doing going up to this village? They said, well, we're going up there to do some ministry. And they said, there are no Christians up in that village. You're the only Christian. What are you doing here? And they, they, they made it very clear that if you, if you go through with this, we're going to slit your throats. And uh, you can imagine that. I mean, the, 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 uh, the terror of that, I mean, uh, you're looking death in the face at that point. So this was, this was a threat, and they opposed them in such a way that they, they, they felt led that they would um, turn back and they would, they would go home. Three months later, uh, they, they decided to go back up to the village, and again, these gangsters surround them. What are you doing here? We told you, if you go, we're going to slit your throats. And uh, they said, there's, there's, there's um, Christians up there. We're going up there to minister to them, and we have a purpose, is what he said. We have a purpose, and we're going. And so he grabs his wife's hand as he gives the illustration, and they walk through the gangsters. The gangsters were so amazed by their boldness that they, they let them go. And you know, as I, I heard that story, and I saw in his eyes uh, the, the, the passion and the, the boldness of this. It, it was amazing. His, his confidence in the Lord at that point was that the Lord would deliver. And he actually said this to the, to the gangsters. You kill us no matter. You kill us no matter. His words. I rewatched the video this morning. You kill us no matter. You know what? There's confidence. Whether in life or in death, the Lord is my deliverer. Whether in life or in death, the Lord is my deliverer. I'm reminded that Paul, 11 years unprevious, he had said uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Six years previous, writing to the Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? Whether in life or in death, the Lord is my deliverer. And I can be confident in that. We need to be confident in that. The Lord will deliver you. He'll either deliver you in life or he'll deliver you into the presence of glory, into the presence of his kingdom uh, forever and ever uh, through death. And what an amazing statement, uh, idea that that is. So the Lord is my judge. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my deliverer. But I want you to notice this in verse number 19. We come to these end and sometimes we pass over these, these names and we look at them and we're like, you know, what does this really mean, uh, mean for us? These are just some people that I don't know. There's a lot that goes on right here. And I want you to notice he gives these names for Scylla and Aquila. Obviously, they were... They they were on co-workers, especially there in Corinth. They'd moved around. They just seemed to be the couple that showed up everywhere and was just a blessing. And you'll have those. Praise God for them. Pray for them in, in, the, in the churches. And I'm thankful for people like that at Grace Baptist Church, that just to have that, that heart to be a blessing. But you have, you have these different people. Erastus goes to, uh, is at Corinth. You have Trimophus. He's at uh, Miletum sick. And, and I want you to come. And, and I want you to come visit me, Timothy, he says there. And he says, Eubulus greets thee. And so I just want you to notice he mentions all these different people. And, and we need to remember this, that in life, people come and go. People come and go. There are going to be people that you're friends with today. I want to encourage you about something. There are people that I was friends with in college that went a completely separate direction. You can't, you can't get focused in on people. You can't. If you do you are on a pathway for some destruction. We have to look to the Lord. And so here we have people that are coming and going out of Paul's life. They're there, some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. They're, they're there, they're over there sick, they're on a ministry trip there. You can't just follow around people. I'm going to be over to this church because that person's there. I'm going to go to this area because my family's there. You can't follow around. People come and go. They come and go. 
But do you notice what he says there in verse number 18, or, or the, uh, the last verse? The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Let's say that together. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. And the fourth time he draws his attention to the Lord. These people are in that place, that place, and that place. But the Lord be with thy spirit. And here's what he's telling Timothy at the last, the very last words of his life. My Lord is your comfort. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to die here. The Lord is going to deliver me up. These people aren't around with me anymore. I'm not focused on them. I want you to remember that the Lord will be your comfort. When I'm gone, when others are gone, the Lord will be your comfort. And at the very last word, he did not, he did not jab at Timothy. He did not, he, at this point, he could have said a lot of things to Timothy. Timothy was timid. He struggled to, to just jump after his call. He's like, am I, am I doing this right? Am I preaching this right? Should I preach that message? He's just kind of timbing all the time, and he's struggling with that. He doesn't get after that. He says, Timothy, I want you to remember, when I'm gone, when others are gone, the Lord be your comfort. The Lord be the one who comes alongside you, puts his arm around you, and says, hey, I got this. I got this. And Timothy needed to remember that. And it's a hard thing when you say goodbye to people. It's a really hard thing. This year, our church said goodbye to one of the dearest saints in our church. She was a widow lady. Her name was Joanne. Just this past uh, two Sundays ago on the 9th, we had our Vision Sunday, and we did a review video, and the person doing the review video put several pictures of her. I was sitting on the platform looking out of the, the congregation and just start watching people start crying. We had another morning moment in the congregation. I started crying. Man, it's just, it's hard to say goodbye. It's hard to say goodbye. But you know what? Her funeral was probably one of the most blessed funerals that I ever got to preach because I just got to preach Jesus Christ right out of her life. It was, just, it was just amazing. She left off loving Jesus. And the fragrance of her life the, 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 was, was Christ, and that's what made it so special. And I have, I, I have rarely encountered uh, such a life, but you know what? It, we miss her. Just... She was in the middle, about halfway through, taking another lady through discipleship. Just this past week, I linked that, that lady up with another lady to take her through the rest of the way. It's sad. We, we miss them. But you know what? The Lord's still here. He's still comforting. We can go on. She may not be with us, but we can go on with the Lord's comfort. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. You can go on. Uh, the Lord be with thy spirit. The Lord be with you in, the, in, the, in your heart. We're where your thoughts are established, where you're thinking through things and meditating on things and, and concerned about things. The Lord be with your spirit. The Lord continue to communicate with you. Grace, his grace be with you. Amen. So be it. So be it, Timothy. So you might, you might lose dear friends. Friends, you might have someone step out on you and just say, you know what, if you're going to follow after this ministry thing, we're done with you. You might have family say that. The Lord be with thy spirit. The Lord be with thy spirit. You got to get it settled in your heart. The Lord be with thy spirit. There's no greater comfort and source of confidence in the life of a minister, in the life of a believer, but that the Lord be with thy spirit. The presence of the Savior. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For thou art with me. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with thy spirit. You, you can't say anything more comforting to a person. Hey, I, I don't need to be with you, but the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And even in your conversations with one another in this place as you go through, yes, these are stretching times. One of the blessings about what you're experiencing right now is how much you are stretched. You don't see it now, 
But I'm telling you, after having been out, I'm telling you, what you are getting in the stretching right now is highly important to your future ministry. And friends, you might have people that go against you, and you might have people walk out on you, and you might feel like you're at the, at the end, but the Lord be with your spirit. And what I want to encourage you to do is write with one another. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Yeah, that test is going to be hard. The Lord be with you. I know your family said that about you. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. So in all of this, Alexander, he hurt me. The Lord is his judge. All forsook me at my trial. The Lord stood with me. Standing before Nero, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and when I'm gone, Timothy, the Lord be with you too. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. You talk about life-giving words. Life-giving words from the Apostle Paul. So Timothy, don't live a reactionary life. Let's land for just a few minutes here. I cannot stress the, the importance, and I've had a struggle through all these things. But I'm telling you, I cannot, I cannot underscore the importance of not, not getting into living a reaction to whether it's hurts, whether it's people, whether it's others and what they're, they're doing. You see the different compromise, you hear about that. You can't live a reaction to that. You have to get settled on the Lord. He's the solid rock. He's, he's the sure foundation. And if you're with the Lord, you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. They can do what they do. Other Christians can do what they do. And the friend, friends, you know, this whole, this whole last year and a half, two years, we've seen how quickly our world can change. And there even came a point, I remember talking to our deacons before we reopened to in-person services. There came a point where we just had said, we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. We're going to do what he, he says to do. It doesn't matter what the governor says anymore. It didn't matter what the governor said. I'm not, I'm not pushing against human authority. You understand that. But in, in, in reality, compared to the Lord, it didn't matter what he said to begin with. But we, we took a little while to get there. The Lord, the Lord be with you. And so I just want to encourage you, don't live a reactionary life. And, and you might look at what's going on, and you might hear about what's going on, different compromises. I'm sure that you, you hear from time to time the encouragement to and, you know, stay with this stuff. But friends, if you don't get it uh, down in your soul that I'm with the Lord. The Lord will take care of this. He's my judge. He's my support. He's my deliverer. He's my, he's my comfort. If you don't get that down in your soul, you will live a reactionary life. And you, you will find yourself five and ten years down the road, you'll find yourself in a different, in a different place. So I just want to encourage you. I, I prayed much about just what to say to you today. And this is what the Lord brought me back to. I want to encourage you. Get this down in your soul. Learn to react to everything in your life. Have the response to everything that happens in your life with this but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord. Yeah, that, that other student, man, they, they, they've not been helpful, but the Lord. That, that abuser, but the Lord. And I know there's, there's needs to talk through with all that and to get counseling and, and so on, but the Lord. And that Christian brother who forsook me and, and has, has spread some lies about me, but the Lord. That church member, but the Lord, but the Lord. Would you bow with me? And let's talk to the Lord about this for a moment. Where's your focus today? Even focusing in on good people, becoming so focused in on good people, we obviously have great examples to follow. But if your focus is not in the Lord, you're setting yourself up for some destruction. Where's your focus today? Is your focus on the Lord, or is it on your problems, your hurts, other people? Are you helping people? like Paul did, to focus on your Lord? Boy, the greatest ministry you can have to others is just, hey, I want you to remember this, but the Lord, 
Here's what happened in my life, but the Lord. Focus on him along with me. Let me ask you this question. Do your conversations retell all of your hurts without relaying how the Lord brought you through them? We can get good at rehearsing things that happened to us in the past. One of the tests of whether you have a focus on the Lord is whether you get back to the Lord in that conversation. But the Lord. But the Lord. Can't, you can't undo the past. Paul couldn't undo Alexander. There's Alexanders. And they, we need to be aware of them. But he got to, but the Lord. But the Lord. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor Kagan, I, 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 the Lord is working specifically in my heart about, about this. I, I have focused too much on problems, hurts, and, and people. But I, I am challenged this morning to turn my attention back to the Lord. You say with enough raised hand, that's, and God is working in my heart in that way. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's do business with the Lord about that this morning. The piano's going to play. Let's do business with the Lord. You're welcome to pray there at your seat or come to the altar, however you do that here. But let's, let's do business with the Lord. Let's give that to the Lord and talk to him this morning about that right now.